You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You're listening to the E2C Network podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. Brought to you by the Auburn Uniform Database. Visit them at auburnuniforms.com War Eagle Auburn fans, welcome to Inside the Jungle, your source for Auburn men's basketball analysis and discussion. On this edition of Inside the Jungle, we're going to be discussing the game for Auburn against the Lipscomb Bison. Auburn wins by the score of 86 to 59, a route in Auburn Arena to close out the non conference schedule for the Tigers. The Tigers now sit at 12 and 0 on the year and, yes, are still undefeated, one of the only two undefeated teams in the land. There's lots to talk about this game, everything going on in the college basketball landscape that includes Auburn in there. We're going to discuss it all here. And to do that, I brought in my friend and my co-host, Mr. Drew Hooper. Drew, I would say Merry Christmas and almost Happy New Year to you. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you as well, Kyle. Glad that you're starting to get over your, your sickness that lingered. Um, you're, you're getting a little wheezy at the end of the last episode. You have no idea, Drew. Uh, I thought I went, when I went back and edited the episode, I, I was actually impressed with the way I was able to hold it together because I can definitely tell you at the end of last episode, it was, uh, it, it was a struggle. And, and it's going to be a little bit of a struggle tonight. I'm not 100%, and it could be a chance it fades off the end. But I'll, much like Auburn and their offense, which has a slow start, I hope to finish strong, <laughs> hopefully with an almost 30-point uh, victory tonight over who I don't know. I don't know who you and I are playing against in this, the spread, I guess. But uh, we're going to talk about this final non-conference game here tonight. And I, I want to open up the topic of this game, obviously, with some general notes here about the game. And we must address uh, the very awesome thing here. 12-0, and completely undefeated in non-conference record with one asterisk there. We do have a Big 12 SEC challenge game against Iowa State that will be in the middle of SEC play. But I think we can go ahead and kind of tie a bow on this non-conference schedule and celebrate an undefeated non-conference record. So, Drew, if I had asked you at the beginning of the season, and I'm sure I did, but it's hard to remember now, would you have said we would have gone undefeated if uh, sitting back at the beginning of the season? I would not have said it, but the way – this Auburn team came out of the gate in the first three to four games. I had a better grasp that it was a high possibility that this could happen. And you know what? It's something to be proud of. And definitely it's been a a fun little journey to watch how this team has grown and how this team has found not just one way to win by shooting everyone out of the gym, but they have found a very good defense. They have found just a post game and just the different levels and wrinkles of this Auburn team brings in the 2019, 2020 season. I think it's going to lend itself to a very interesting sec play. Absolutely. And not just sec play, but you know, at this point we can probably honestly say we'll be in some form of postseason play. And obviously the big dance, when we refer to that, 
Uh, it's gonna we present a conundrum for teams this season thus far. Uh, whereas last year, if you shut down Auburn's three point game, you had a shot of beating them. I would not say that's the case here. We've seen Auburn struggle mightily in some games from the three point line and still dominate teams. Uh, and and some of those have not been dominating wins, but a lot of them have been. So I'm very encouraged, like you said, from what I've seen out of this team thus far, albeit a few struggles here and there, but every team's got them this year. The, the beauty of this season thus far that I've noticed, Drew, is there's a lot of parity, it seems like, out there. With only two undefeated teams left, uh, some of the big names and people you expect to be uh, undefeated at this point, or at least one loss or two losses, are kind of taking knocks along the way here. So the the field is open for Auburn to kind of really establish itself as a power this season. And being one of the only undefeated teams, uh, that being with San Diego State there. Uh, you know, Drew, I have to ask the question, who falls first, Auburn or San Diego State? I, I don't know. Let's Let's look into that fact. Let me pull up SDSU's schedule real quick and, and see what we're looking at and while you're looking that up there i, I want to just comment on that if you had asked me at the beginning of the season if auburn was going to be undefeated with somebody it would not have been san diego state and i was having a conversation uh, with some family members this weekend talking about auburn being undefeated in one of these last teams it, it, it just san diego state's been a decent program over the last couple of uh seasons and, and and even had a little bit of a history lately of being a decent foot uh, ba- a basketball program but i would not have put them in undefeated and i would not put the uh, all, the combination of auburn and san diego state there together it's it's quite an interesting pairing and, and so i'd be interested to see what your response is on based on what you're looking at there who goes undefeated uh, the longest i mean i think you have uh, i i think it's going to be a neck and neck race i don't think Either one of these teams has a schedule going forward in the next like handful of games that lends itself to they're probably going to take an L in that game. But I, no one crucify me. I, I think it's going to probably end up being Auburn because there is about with Florida four games down the road. And when you look at San Diego State's schedule, you're looking at Fresno State, Utah State, Wyoming, Boise State. Not real basketball powerhouses at all. Uh, but Definitely a possibility to slip up. They've kind of cooled off as of late, so there's potential. But I think it's probably end up being Auburn first. Yeah, and I think one of the uh, interesting facts here is Auburn plays obviously in a in a in a, in a tougher in a tougher conference here. So there's I think the higher potential there for them to lose one. Uh, but uh, I just I, I see enough out of this team this season thus far that the weaknesses that we have they're countered by so many strengths that we have in other areas there and i think we can talk a little bit about some of the based off of the game uh, against lipscomb today but the, the last kind of general just thought i wanted to bring to your attention here and obviously discuss with you is the obviously the 12 and 0 undefeated record which we've already discussed a little bit but the fact that over the last three years auburn is leading the sec in non-conference record and that's another interesting fact that I never would have thought of. Auburn has played some very in, uh, very tough schedules. I would say definitely last year is probably the toughest in non-conference play. Uh, this year has been pretty pretty decent as well. And if I recall, the year before that was pretty tough as well too. Granted, we caught some programs such as uh, Oklahoma that were not at their highest and UConn at their highest points in their program's history during that uh, schedule but uh the last three seasons drew auburn has been dominant in the sec a non-conference record 
And I think the testament goes again. We love to throw the accolades back at Bruce Pearl. His scheduling has obviously put Auburn in a position to be successful, but has also given them the respectability. And I think that's going to pay dividends again this year uh, when we go to hopefully postseason play. Oh, for sure. I mean, Bruce Pearl gets a ton of credit, but you also got to look at this team has performed in a season in which one expectations were or maybe dormant a little bit as far as we just made a final four. Most teams expect that they're going to be somewhat back to that level. We really didn't know what we were coming the season out. And then you also look at, we're also living in the age of basketball right now where no one this season wants the number one spot. Everyone's losing. Everyone's going down. There's not a great team in college basketball this year. And you know what I thought there was going to be? And the more I watch, no one's separating themselves. There's a ton of big name injuries coming up. And you you got to start thinking, you know what? Like, because there's not a great team, there's not a team that, that is just rolling through everyone. The thought begins to creep into your head of, you know, maybe Auburn can pull off another run this year. Mm-hmm. Like Elite Eight not, it would not be shocking with watching how basketball is playing out this season and watching how Auburn's doing and just anticipating the growth that typically comes with Bruce Pearl teams come into February, early March. And the interesting aspect of this is Auburn was already playing with a target on their back after their run last year, but now that they're proving that that wasn't a fluke and the program is poised to potentially make another run, uh, that target has grown even larger. So as we move into conference play, uh, you do know that there are going to be a lot of uh, rivals and and uh, opposing fan bases that are itching for a win against Auburn again, which is just surreal to talk about in and of itself. And, and moving into this Lipskin game here, uh, we've seen it throughout non-conference play, but Austin Wiley, I felt like it's just stepped up in an inter- interesting way here. He's He's now gone from the guy who couldn't hang on to a ball down low uh, and, and maybe just seemed like he wasn't too sure of himself that he's just becoming a dominant force. He's currently the SEC leading rebounder right now. He's also, I, I believe, is currently is rebounding marks per game or higher than his father, Aubrey uh, Wiley, who played for Auburn back in the day as well. And he continued his dominance against the Bison here. He gets another double-double, 10 points, 11 rebounds, and he contributes to Auburn's dominance in the rebounding board where Auburn won 43-28 to 28 in rebound margin over the Bison here. Uh, what did you think about Austin Wiley in this game? Well, I think Austin is in a very unique spot here for Auburn. I, I think he is probably the number two guy. I, I think we l- still look to Dowdy quite a bit and let him kind of pick and choose his spots. And we've seen Bruce Pearl definitely with more emphasis on getting it into the post and getting Wiley touches because he understands how big of a, of an asset he finally has with having a post player. I mean, that's not really been something that we've had for the past couple of years. Yeah. Horace Spencer and Anthony McLemore have been good down there, but they haven't been great. Uh, They're not your traditional post player and Wiley is able to go bang down there. And I think something that I've been looking through the stats, just kind of pouring back over in a unique detail, Austin Wiley draws about nine fouls a game from the other team. That is humongous because I know we haven't shot the free throws well this season, but getting to the free throw line early and often getting other teams into the bonus early and often is such a big deal because it changes the way that they have to play the game. 
and it opens up lanes. And so I think Wiley, yeah, he's been a big stat sheet stuffer, but I think even on a more deeper end for poor English sake, he has been (laughs) someone who has drawn fouls, has changed the the nature of the game. And yeah, Auburn's got off to these slow starts, but as Wiley begins to accumulate fouls on the opposite bigs, one, he's getting time against the second string big, but he's also opening up lanes where the other team isn't going to be able to to hedge as hard as they typically would, to be able to guard as in the in the jersey of the other guys they typically would. So I mean I think Wiley is offering something that we're not actually seeing uh in the stat sheet each and every time yeah and the funny thing about this is is that typically you do want to foul the big men here uh but austin wiley coming into this game for free throws uh was on a pretty much a hot streak here he's altered his shot a little bit and he seems to be the only one that has been benefited from a little bit of extra free throw coaching uh from the staff or wherever else he's getting that extra help from and he he finally does miss in this game he goes four for six uh so he's the oddly the one we've been able to count on on free throws and with him you know uh people going fouling him more often has not been a detriment for Auburn because he's stepped up in a big way in that area which has been frustrating at times obviously for me this season Drew uh but for I'm sure the rest of the Auburn fans and just basketball fans in general I mean if you're a a old school fan like me you value the free throw highly and that can get frustrating so it's nice to see Wiley uh, capitalizing there one area he tried to capitalize on in this game which i you know, in a game like this is okay i guess but when you try to throw up a, a free throw a three-pointer uh as a six foot ten big old dude back there usually when that happens you get screamed at by the head coach and granted the game was well in hand uh drew you have any any issues with austin just giving that one a go there at that point of the game I mean, not really. I, the man does not get to shoot three-point shots. I'm pretty sure they quoted us at the beginning of the season, and he's only attempted two or three his whole Auburn career. So just let him get him out of the system early. So it's not like first round of the NCAA tournament. He's deciding, you know what, I need to cash in on my 1-3 and waste a possession. I'd rather him waste it late in the game against Lipscomb than waste it in a time that really mattered. Look, if you're going to shoot him, though, you got to make him. That's my only thing. Just just please make it. And that one he threw up there was pretty ugly. Uh, the coach in me yelled at him, but uh, I understand. Game was in hand. Hey, just go ahead and get you one in there, buddy. Uh, to give Auburn fans a perspective of how the game went, well, it was pretty much Auburn's control the entire game. Now, I will say the first half, Lipscomb did come out and get themselves a little bit of lead. It's happened a lot in non-conference play that we've seen thus far. Uh, the opposing team is able to get a lead on Auburn, and they kind of chip away and come back and are able to control the game or, or get a, an eke out of win in some cases, like South Alabama. Uh, but here, Lipscomb got a lead, and Auburn just maintained control throughout the rest of the first and second half. And it became a very fun atmosphere at that point. Obviously, with a big lead, you get to see a lot of faces that don't get a lot of t- time. Uh, some of those being Babatunde Akingbola, uh, Tyrell Jones, uh, you know, Javon Franklin getting a little bit of time as well. Granted, some of these are just one minute. But um, th- the interesting thing here is the walk-ons now are suffering because they're not getting to see a lot of this time because we are so deep. But the the thing that I loved here, I just felt like it was a, a nice way to end the non-conference stretch in just a fun atmosphere. The, the arena was packed to the brim against a Lipscomb Bison team. You don't see that uh, that often. Uh, but the magic of the final four run has really affected the Tigers 
obviously in their performance and their potential as a program, but obviously in the drive for fans to come out and see them, even in a game like this. I just thought with all the high flyingness, there were some awesome dunks being thrown down, whether it's Devin Cambridge, Stretch. Um, Drew, I, I had an, a fun time watching the back half of this game. Yeah, it was definitely fun. And I don't know whether you <laughs> caught this quote by Bruce Car- Bruce Pearl this week, uh, but he was talking about the upcoming SEC slate and this Saturday or the other. And he said, you know what? I think for the first time ever, Auburn fans, the best time that they're going to be able to see their team is on the road because Auburn Arena is going to be packed the rest of the season. Right. Uh, like just from ticket sales, they've already seen everything. Like Auburn Arena is going to be packed. And you know what? It should be because this team is high flying. They're fun. Once you get past the first five minutes of the game, they they tend to remember how to play basketball. And you know what? Like watching De- Devin Cambridge try and position himself to be the next volleyball coach at Auburn, <laughs> like it, it's just something. He is pinning stuff off the backboard, even though it's goaltending every time. I could really care less. <laughs> like Anthony McLemore has started to step back into that shot blocking uh, persona that he carried for a long time, whether he's actually blocking shots or altering shots. Austin Wiley is just palming the ball out of midair. I mean, it's a fun team to watch. They were zipping the ball around against a Lipscomb team. And it's like hard to get up against teams like that. Teams that aren't on your class, aren't on your level. And really this team showed out because I mean, uh, I know you're the free throw guy. I'm the assist guy, but this shows that it was, they were, they were zipping the ball around. They had 21 assists this game. Like that's just fun basketball to watch. The yeah. reason, the reason people go see the Harlem Globetrotters is because whenever they're just sitting around, they're zipping that ball around, doing all sorts of stuff with it. And the ball is constantly moving. It's not stagnant offense or anything like that. And the Auburn team moved the ball. Well, it was a fun game to watch and definitely, hopefully something that you're about to see going forward. Yeah, I think some of those areas that people always forget about, it's not so much the points that matter, it's the little things. It's the assists with Auburn 21. Uh, Lipscomb only gets 10 assists in their stat column there. So there's a big difference in the matchup right there. Obviously, the rebound margin that we've already discussed is a big factor there as well. But moving back towards the assist and and moving the ball around a lot, uh, you obviously love that area. uh, But you even brought up uh, to me, just about the fact that this team is is utilizing the ball fake a lot better. What are you liking about that, or who do you see utilizing that the best right now? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's not really been something we've seen the past couple of games, but we look at this game, especially if you go back and watch the highlights, most of Auburn's drives to the basket came off of either a pump fake down to Wiley, a pump fake to the the wing or the corner three, and then just taking someone off the dribble. And Dowdy utilizes that quite a bit. And he highlighted that with seven assists on the night. He he does a good job utilizing that fake, but you're starting to see more players use it. Purefoy was using the pump fake and then going under his defender quite a bit more this game and had a breakout game with 17 points where he's been kind of dormant for a while. And, you know, Okoro's been good this season using the pump fake and the pass fake. And so it's just something that, that we're starting to see them utilize a little bit more. It's such a, a fundamental thing that we're taught in basketball. I mean, everyone's pump faking galore at the age of six and we, 
we tend to get away from it as we get older in basketball. But you know what? Like, there's a reason we're we're taught that at the age of six because it works, right. and it's something that will draw a defender out of position every once in a while. And so it was good to see that in this game. And I think it really paid dividends. And when they go back and watch the film on this, they're going to say, Hey, you know what? You don't need to overutilize it, but tossing it in there, mixing it in with the rest of the repertoire is definitely going to pay dividends going forward. Well, it's such a, it's a, a nuance of the game that is not appreciated a, a lot in a game that is built around positioning, even offensive positioning, defensive positioning. If that is affected in any way, one area that I think you can do that is the ball fake. And I think it's, it can be a simple thing that would also be a deadly thing for a team that can do it well. And Auburn, again, against an inferior opponent, show that they can do that very well. I'd love to see that carry on into SEC play. Maybe they utilize that more and more as we go throughout that moving towards postseason play. I think an, an area or a player that really can utilize uh, this type of ball fake is Isaac Okoro, who's been on a, a bit of an offensive, I'll call it a slide. I don't like saying slump here. Um, we've discussed that he's not, I wouldn't call it an offensive dominant player in terms of being able to nail three pointers all the time. But I think when he gets the ball in his hands inside the three point arc and starts moving around, he becomes a very formidable opponent and is able to put some points on the basket here. Now, as I said, he's had an offensive slide, but I don't think that his defensive game has slipped at all, which I think is why you don't notice that as much. And we've seen a you know a few more games of him only getting eight points a game. He's not broken double digits a couple of times during non-conference play. What, what are you thinking about Isaac Okora right now in terms of whether he's on a slide or is there anything you can think he needs to do better? Well, I mean, I think this is such a weird spot for us Auburn fans to be in. Of We're sitting here talking about a freshman who scored 14 points, grabbed four offensive rebounds, assisted twice, block three shots and we're saying you know what he's sliding a little bit <laughs> and that's how talented Isaac Okoro is he had a quiet 14 points he didn't re- he affected the game but not in the way we've seen him early in non-conference play and you know what I, I think that's that's good because he's learning how to affect the game even whenever he's not dominating the game and he's still working through being a freshman being out of the house, being on his own. And I, you know what? I, I've enjoyed watching him play because the one thing, even ever, whenever his offense moves a little bit that we've seen, his defense always is there. He is a lockdown defender. And you know what? Uh, I'll take his quiet 14. Yeah, we've seen him score eight and six and in that range from time to time. But I, I think it's really just a testament of this team being a team together of working as a unit, working with the bench, working with the starting five. It's whoever's the hot hand. And, you know, what? I think that's winning Isaac Coro a lot of fans in the NBA realm too, because he's shooting up draft boards right now. He's sitting at the number seven overall pick on most draft boards. And I think it's because one, he plays tough defense, but two, he's a team player. And that's going to get you a lot farther than just always being a ball-dominant guy. So I can take the slide a little bit Mm -hmm. to get team player Isaac Okora that we've been seeing a lot lately. 
Well, I think the slide may not be a product of uh, a lack of being able to put the ball in the basket, but so much that he's not had to do some of the things we might expect because this team has stepped up in so many facets, whether it's uh, Austin Wiley just owning anything above 10 feet in the air there and just grabbing every single rebound, whether it's Samir Dowdy just being an awesome shooter uh, or Anthony Macklemore blocking every shot. You know, a, a talented guy like Okoro sometimes can feel like they have to do too much. And thankfully, he's not been put in that position a lot. And so it's been very nice to watch different aspects of his game, even on a slide. I do want to give a little bit of credit to the team we did play, as we always like to do. And one area I thought that was a little bit frustrating was this guy named K.J. Johnson, uh, number zero. And uh, he got 17 points on the night. And I don't know what was more obnoxious for him, Drew, his hair or his speed, because he was one of the fastest guys I've ever seen. You'd think that hair would give him some drag as he was going through the lane, but my gosh, he could score pretty quickly there. Yeah, he did well. Uh, I think they said that he was Mr. Basketball in the state of Tennessee twice uh, for his division class. And you know what? Like that's, he's going to be a good little player. Uh, I don't know how much we're going to see him in the future as far as, just making a national name for himself, but he kind of fits that mold with how he plays, gets in the blame, is real fidgety, and just kind of contorts his body to get his shot. He reminded me a lot of a point guard that we watched last year in John Morant from Murray State, who plays for the Grizzlies right now. And I think that's one of those, if he keeps developing and plays the way he did in that game, like, why can't he play at the next level? And, you know, I, I think shout out to him for just, you know, taking his moment in a nationally televised game to to show the world what he was about. Absolutely. It definitely sees the opportunity there. And I, I noticed him, obviously, because of his performance, but it's hard not to miss him with that hair he had there. Think John ja Morant, but three times the hair. And not as much of the talent, but he's, he's definitely uh, very skilled and is obviously the guy of their team. And thankfully, we kept him in check for the most part, even at 17 points. Uh, so we'll tie a bow on this game. Uh, moving on from non-conference, we'll switch on over to the beginning of conference play. Now, Drew and I are going to come back with another episode later on this week where we kind of take a look at how the SEC has performed overall and take a look into the future of what we think uh, will fare for Auburn and and the rest of the SEC. Uh, But just to kind of move into just a quick overview of what we think is going to happen in this next game, we're going to be at Mississippi State to open conference play. They're at 8-3 and right now. The game is at 3.30 Central Time this Saturday the 4th. Uh, on SEC Network. Now, they're coming off uh, a last game against Kent State. I do not have whether they won or lost that in front of me, but I'm assuming they did. They, uh, a couple they're of, currently in the game. They are currently in game, meaning they are winning or losing. Uh, they were. They just got the lead going back into halftime. Okay, so there maybe a little bit of struggles there, and I guess that maybe kind of leads into this point here. Uh, a team which has seen some success, 8-3 and three record, is not nothing to be ashamed of. Um, they have a signature loss against number 17 Villanova, but I would say their signature wins, if you want to call them that, are against Kansas State, New Orleans, and Coastal Carolina. Um, based on that, Drew, what their wins, losses, what you're seeing currently against their game in Kent State, what's your confidence factor for Auburn versus Mississippi State on the road? Well, I think as long as Mississippi State doesn't have one of the like 90 million shot blockers they've had over the past couple seasons, like uh, what was his name? Like, I like Bardo or something like that. He yeah. was like seven foot three, just blocked everything inside. He he's given me nightmares ever since. But <laughs> I I think I I think this is a win for Auburn. Mississippi State 
is decent but hasn't played quality opponents and when they've played quality opponents they've lost Villanova like you said signature loss I don't really know if that's a thing in my world but it's a thing in your world so we'll go with it well it's and- it's not so much that it's a thing it's just I, I kind of like to look at that aspect of it if you played well against a good opponent I kind of call, call that a signature loss in my mind that tells it's not so much for their record and what they're going to do postseason play but to me it signals hey keep an eye on them because they had a close game against Villanova uh, and that's just kind of the way I go with it. If I may defend my signature loss category, as you so done there. <laughs> okay. So we all have the right to be wrong. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's what happens but, from time to time. But they're coming off a rough loss to New Mexico State, True. who we do have a common opponent with and playing New Mexico with them. So by law of whatever it is that we transitive call it nowadays. Property. Yeah, transitive property. We have uh, one the new mexico states division and we've already beat mississippi state so i you know i i think this is probably going to be a win for auburn uh in my roundabout way of saying that well here's the thing though you were worried about you know big men being able to block shots as you say you still have nightmares about i present to you one sophomore forward who's six foot ten reggie perry he's currently averaging 9.2 rebounds per game uh, and he does average uh, double digits on points as well. So he's almost averaging a double-double right now. Couple that with Tyson Carter, a senior guard, 16.1 points per game. That looks to be your combo to watch in this game for Auburn. Does that scare you anymore to hear the stats that Reggie Perry is putting up right now? Uh, I think it would normally, but at the the way Austin Wiley's playing right now and the rate he's drawing fouls, it doesn't scare me as much as it probably should. And so I, I think we're really going to see a battle of which big man is going to win down low. Is it going to be Wiley, who has the body of Adonis, or is it going to be <laughs> this other guy, Joe Schmo, down in Start Vegas? And you know what? I, I'm going to take my odds with Wiley because when the game has been big so far this season, Wiley's come to play, uh, no matter who the opponent was. And so I am... I'm going to take our boy Wiley in that one. Well, no matter how you slice it here, this is the opportunity for Auburn to set the tone for SEC play because it's not just you're opening it up at home. You're going to the hump in Starkville, and it's not a pushover team. It's a team you should not take lightly. So if Auburn can come out with a win here, they'll be riding high on a lot of momentum that will serve them well throughout the rest of the SEC conference slate there. So we'll hope to get the win there. And we'll touch on that in our next episode. Before we get out of here, though, I want to give you a quick update on the women's program. Uh, They have been in an even longer layoff than Auburn men's has seen this year. Two weeks almost of layoff. But they finally got back to a game against Jacksonville State and won 62-53. to So they end on a high note in their non-conference schedule. Their next game will be this Thursday, the 2nd at 8.30 p.m. Central Time. And they will open up on the road at Vandy as well. So a tough one then. For, for them to, to open up their SEC conference schedule. Drew, final thoughts for non-conference and heading into conference play. Well, I I think, you know, this we may have another twist to the tail for Mississippi State. It looks like Mr. Weatherspoon will be back for them Don't tell for me our that. game. And so I am interested to see how that changes. Uh, he's currently in a little trouble for uh, not taking his chemistry class, but I mean, whoever <laughs> wanted to take their own chemistry class to be honest about it. Uh, and so I think he may be back still waiting on word on that. So if he comes back, it may be 
a lot tougher of a game than Auburn was anticipating. Uh, and so I think non-conference was great. Excited to get to SEC play. Tired of these one-day-a-week games. Yes, it is. So it's been an interesting re- schedule. We're really excited to just get back into the two-times-a-week play. And so, you know what? It's been a fun season so far, hasn't it? It has absolutely been a fun season here, and you know it was it was fun until you mentioned that Withers, uh, Witherspoon was going to potentially be back, and that it literally sent a shiver down my spine because the the name Witherspoon just it's frustrating to me at times because of what those two have been able to do to Auburn, mainly Quindary. But anyway, uh, we'll see what happens with that factor uh, coming into play in the next game for Auburn. Uh, but Drew, before we get out of here, let's give our contact information. You can find me on Twitter at TigerEye24. Where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Drew underscore Hoop, H-O-O-P-0-2. And that's all we have in this edition of Inside the Jungle. But until we assemble again, War Eagle. War Eagle. Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple of things. Head over to E2Cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing, that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you?